Ladies and gentlemen, welcome <laughs> to another episode of the Black Tower Podcast, brought to you by the craziest, taintiest, ashamaniest mahales the world has ever seen. Taintiest. <clears throat> taintiest. Oh, I mean, no. Taint- there ain't nothing say- about this boy that's dainty, all right? <laughs> We are about to take you on a wild ride, one that you are not expecting, unless possibly you have listened to us before, in which case you know exactly what to expect, which is to expect (laughs) nothing, because we defy expectations, especially here on International Women's Day, defy all expectations all the time, always. But... You didn't come here to hear us talk about current events and the holidays that are currently happening. You came here to hear us talk about the Wheel of Time. The 14, 15-ish book series by the illustrious Robert Jordan, finished by the wonderful and absolutely inhuman brandon sanderson for your visual pleasure and then created into a television show by the wonderful people over there at amazon and sony before we go any further it's time to meet our hosts i am your amen khan mahale daniel i wave the flag I sing the songs. I am the heartbeat of the Black Tower. I write songs that make the whole world sing. I sing the songs of love and special things. Coming in as your sort of one. Shut the fuck up. Doing my best impression of Daniel Manilow over there. I am your Tsorovan Mahale, Josh. I command the storm. I call the lightning. Yes, Ail, you may dance with my lightning. <laughs> yeah, and I'm Andrew, your Bizer Mahale. I'll do something with battles or, or something like that. Um, it's a thing. Oh, wrong side, bad side. Ow, I hurt myself. Oh, man. it's great to be back and uh, in a very awkward turn of events i will actually have to be right back so uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> says the man who told us he wasn't going to need to leave because he had a mini fridge and now so, he has a i know right he's all like oh, because of I'm sora van mihail's asmr pouring what this, you know, dick. you know what this is? This is our battle Mahale being like, I'm prepared for battle, but not for recording. Like, what is that? Come on. Wow. All right. I'm throwing shade because he's not here. Because <laughs> you know that if you actually said it to his face, he'd have a comeback. Yeah, he'd he'd battle me. <laughs> Would it be a rap battle? Anyway, it's the wheel of time. We talk about the wheel of time. You know who we are. We talk about the wheel of time. We talk about all wheel of time related things. And speaking of something that's Wheel of Time related, have you heard about the new Wheel of Time convention? No, Uh, I haven't, Josh. What Wheel of Time convention are you talking about? I'm talking about 
WATCOM, which literally stands for Wheel of Time Convention. That's crazy. Just so you guys know, <laughs> WATCON.com. That's fun to say, actually. WATCON.com. Try it. WATCON.com. WATCON.com. Oh, Jesus. WATCON.com. WATCON.com forever. WATCON.com. WATCON.com forever! Oh, my God. I love it. I'm so happy right now. No, WATCON.com. Go there. Um, The coolest thing about it is that, so WATCON is built by the people for the people. For the fans. By the fans for the fans. And the the super cool... The super cool information, the super cool news with WatCon at the moment is that the volunteer roster is open. Correct. You may absolutely go to WatCon.com. I believe it's slash volunteer. Um, I can double check. I'm sorry. You may? It no, is It must. is WatCon.com must slash. go to WatCon.com slash volunteer. Well, it's sl- so it's WatCon.com slash WatCon dash 2022 Ah. slash volunteer however if you just go to whatcon.com i feel like that's going to become a thing (laughs) whatcon.com just go to whatcon.com um if you go there there is a link right on the main page that it's a little yellow button that says register to attend attend online you scroll down you see the beautiful daniel b green you see the beautiful and Absolutely stunning, Kate Redding and Michael Kramer. And then there's a big old link that says apply to become a WetCon volunteer. So it's real easy to get to, real easy to navigate. If you want to go to WatCon and you want to be a part of the most amazing Wheel of Time convention that has ever been created by the fans. Wait. Did you throw enough caveats on there so that it didn't? No, I didn't actually. No, actually, I did not throw enough caveats. If you want to go to the greatest WatCon convention that's been created by fans that does not take place in Georgia. Yeah, you're good. Keep going. Can I say that? Yeah, sure. uh, Okay. Facts, you know, real talk here. WatCon's going to be super fun. We're going to be there. Um, It's going to be a great thing. It is the inaugural event. There's going to be pictures. There's going to be food. There's going to be fun. Don't miss out. Indeed. Please, please go. Please attend. Please enjoy. Please, please just and have fun. Just please, 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 please. Um, and then once you're done with, uh, when, when, you, when you need a break from some Wheel of Time and you're like, whoo. I just, I mean, not like we need a break from Wheel of Time. You know what I'm saying? I was going to say, that you know was what like happened. <laughs> um, if you want to do something on the internet that's not Wheel of Time related, also, I don't know why you'd want to. Uh, but you can check out the Crystal Barista. The Crystal Barista is a, a fantastic uh, little uh, place. You may have heard of it. Uh, if you go to facebook.com slash rockpick, or if you go to Twitter at rockpick, um, or if you go to crystalbarista.com, that is the Black Tower Podcast official sponsor. She does rocks, gems, minerals, subscription boxes, jewelry making subscription boxes, anything and everything. She does, she leads field trips out into the field to find your own rocks. So if you've ever had an interest in rocks or currently have an interest trips, in rocks, which are or 
mountains out into the mountains. That's right. Yeah. No, Daniel and Andrew were legitimately concerned for their lives at one point in time because if we killed them, nobody would have heard them scream. Real facts. Correct. Ashaman's honor. And uh, yeah, but but it's everything. So go check out the website. Uh, go subscribe to their uh, Facebook, their Twitter, their uh, their Instagram, all the goodness. Go go do it all. And uh, if if you like rocks, you know, consider uh, buying a couple rocks because shit, man, they're cool. They're sparkly. They are sparkly. And once you are done over at crystalbarista.com, why don't you pop on over to the Black Tower podcast? com black and, tower pod yes black tower pod sorry black tower pod no the no cast just black tower pod just black tower uh, pod get all of your information about your tainty boys over here uh who one has just returned yeah all the tainty yeah, go fuck yourself <laughs> <laughs> i heard yeah, everything I'm on that. <laughs> i know that's what I said. That's but the real, the real ones will appreciate. The real, the real, real. You the realest. <laughs> oh, we the best music. The realist and the illest. Oh, yeah. Just, I'm excited. Quick note on the volunteer things. There is a time slot, but there is a disclaimer. Uh, the times you volunteer for are not binding because the program has not been released yet. So yes. it'll be finalized later. Yes. Also, Watcon. the people who are putting together WatCon uh, do reserve the right to change the program that hasn't even been released uh, until the day of. So, fucking just sign up to volunteer. Know that it could change, but we all love you and you love Wheel of Time. So, volunteering is great. Be there or be square because then you're not a wheel. Ha! Get it? Hey, oh! I'll drink to that. The thing. Uh, for everybody listening, uh, many of our patrons have already received their Mixology books. If you're on Patreon and you didn't get to listen to us live and you haven't seen the announcements or anything by chance, uh, the 21st of March is the cutoff date to add your address to our Patreon if you have not already so that we can send you your book if you are a patron as of October 16th, 2021. Yeah, speaking of patron as of the start of the Gathering Madness, uh, as of this point, every year, we reserve the right to change that in the future as needs dictate, but uh, we'll get entitled you to a copy of the Mixology book. So if we don't have your address or you haven't added it, please go and add it and also send us a message on Patreon or Discord or Twitter or an email at blacktowerpod at gmail.com and let us know, hey, I added my address or my shipping information. Give me my fucking book and we will send it to you. Unless you're so 21st. Yeah. 21st of March is the cutoff for that. <laughs> at that point, all the books we have left uh, that aren't already reserved or whatever the case is that are free will then be eligible for other people that want them to get for sale. We may use one or two as a giveaway. Who knows? We'll see. All that fun stuff, all of these announcements, all this hobbledy gook done and out of the way. We look forward to seeing you at Jordan Con in April. We're going to be there. You should be there or be square or some other shape. Absolutely. That you want. Be there at Jordan Con. I am 
absolutely there at Jordan Con, and I am ridiculously excited to see you. Yeah, and if like, you're like, cannot hey. even describe how badly I cannot wait to see you. Yeah, and if you're like, hey, those coins are really cool, but I either don't want to or can't be a patron or whatever that kind of stuff is. Jordan Con is your one and only time of the year to potentially maybe get one of the coins. That's... That all being said, we're going to roll on your spoiler condoms for you because after fucking four years of this, we're well versed in it. We're going to be that safe. So we can get into the episode. You got to be safe. Welcome to the Black Tower, a Wheel of Time podcast. All right, let's check this one. This podcast will likely be spoiling books one through... Oh, what's this? An envelope addressed to me. No name, though. Let's see what's inside. Oh, my. This podcast will likely spoil all the books in the series, and apparently being a Patreon will expose you to information that should be left unseen. Protect yourself by pulling that spoiler condom all the way on. And I need a drink. That's way more of Andrew than I have ever wanted to see. Why would you breed it down there? <laughs> Why wouldn't I you? Can <laughs> because my manliness knows no bounds. Oh God! Yes. Anyway, <laughs> Daniel, we have we have a question to answer today. Slash a topic to generally talk about. Depends on if you're going to look oh. at the title of the episode or the topic of the episode. What are we talking about? So we have talked a lot uh, on this show about Tavir. It is a big thing in the books. Uh, the three boys from the two rivers are described as Taviran all throughout the books. Um, it is said that the Dragon Reborn is one of, if not the strongest Taviran in the entire world or, you know, in the entire pattern. Uh, Arter Hawkwing is uh, said to be an incredible Taviran and things through the ages. Uh, and it's a big plot point throughout the entire series that Taviran are people who shape the pattern and or the pattern shapes them. But we thought about the fact that we don't really necessarily know exactly what it, or we don't typically go over, I should say. Right. What exactly a Taviran is. Uh, we definitely get a lot of information about them in the books. Um, and we get a lot of information about what they do and suggestions that people have about things that they know about Taviran and things like that. But we haven't really talked about specifically what is a Taviran. What does it mean? What does it constitute? What are all of the things around that that make a Taviran a Taviran, and why they are important to the story. So we thought today we would explore a little bit about what a Taviran is, as defined by the books, what we think Taviran are, as defined by our own takes on the books, and what Taviran means in the story as far as, you know, things that happen to them, things that, that, that they make happen, all of that different stuff. So we are going to try to answer the question... As definitively as possible, what is a Tavirin? Yeah. What, First what, what off, he said. I'd like to start <laughs> off with a Tavirin pickup line. I hate you. Oh. Here goes Josh's Because I'm drawing. Fuck. 
I, I'm, I'm sorry. What was that? Are you a Tamiran? Because I'm drawn to fuck. <laughs> drawn you to Jessica you. Rabbit? Like what is happening? Drawn to you. I'm Damn not bad. It. I'm what just drawn it? to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Tavirin. Okay. Um. So notable Tavirin. Uh, people often make references to Arthur Hawkwing. They're like, "Oh, Arthur Hawkwing is a Tavirin." Um. Are they are they Ukrainian grandmothers? What was that? I don't know. know. Do they have sunflower seeds? (laughs) If they do, then the answer is yes. That woman should win the badass award of all time. She really should. Um, Okay, uh, there is also another famous Tavirin, Mabriam Anshirid, who is an Aes Sedai, right? She's an Aes Sedai. Was. I'm looking at her right now. Was, because she was the one that negotiated the uh, the compact of the Ten Nations. (laughs) Yes, two oh nine A B. A B stands for after breaking, not uh, after bedtime. Obviously, uh, lose Theron. Oh, I thought it was uh, after barreling. All right, I can't. I can't think of a a way to to dispel it. I had to process for a minute. After beer works as well. Yeah, after beer, I like that. Yes. The day beer oh, was invented, shit. a new age began. So, so here's here's the <laughs> an fun age part, of mistakes <laughs> and crime. Tavirin, Tavirin, I think has the same sort of problem that channeling has in the books, in that they don't have a really great way of quantifying the scale. Of, am I saying something funny, Andrew? No, it went robotic, and it was like uh, they have. Yeah, you sounded like a goat for a second. It was great. Yeah. They have. <laughs> All right, I'm, gonna, I'm going more, to no yell freebie. at Xfinity. Do it. Okay. Um. <clears throat> You're good. The 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 Taviran ability has the same sort of. <laughs> is my <laughs> you're you're fine now <laughs> like, <laughs> just finish your statement we're gonna make fun of you regardless that's what we do it's, it's hilarious <laughs> that we're talking about Tavirin, and every time we try to talk about them something gets in the way almost like the pattern wills us to not reveal the secrets <laughs> i was just gonna say that Tavirin, like channeling in the books has the problem of quantification there's yep. no real a solid way of saying, you know, person can channel X more than other person. It's just sure. person knows that they can channel more. Okay, and we accept that. Taviran, they talk about Rand being the strongest Taviran that ever walked the earth. And how well, since Arthur Hawkwing. Oh, since Arthur Hawkwing. And Arthur Hawkwing was the strongest Taviran. And it's like, but there's no real way of quantifying that. Now they correct. They do try to do that during the Dragon Reborn, where they talk about all the really crazy things that happen. As so it's, it's qualitative, not quantitative. Yeah. Yes, that's yes. But they talk about they they they. It's qualitative in the fact that they say, "Oh yes, a ridiculously strong Taviran came through here," and let's be real, there's only one of those right now. Yeah. 
And then I love some of the ways they do it. They're they're essentially like, I'm right here. They're essentially like, you know, a baby fell out of like a third story window. It didn't even have a bruise. And they're like, but old man Jenkins got a splinter in his finger and exploded. And they're like, Tavir. <laughs> and the, the party's following behind, and Moraine's like, yes, Rand was here. This is his Tavir in this. Oh, man, Jenkins got a Old man Jenkins. You know, all I can think about is Beverly from the Goldbergs, and she's like, my friend had a nephew who got a splinter and died. And everybody's like, Oh, yeah, sure, whatever, Bev. And it's like, no, really, that's actually true. So Beverly Goldberg actually knew people who lived in a town with a Tavirid. Confirmed. Oh, my God. That was, I, I think that's my <laughs> favorite line we've ever said. I shoot you not. That's I don't know. I still say the one of Maximov is my favorite comment ever, but it, it was sure. a good one. That was a good one. I'm a little biased, you know, because so, of uh, Anyway, so, like, uh, the book's way of describing Tervirn are focal points in the pattern that yes. the pattern uses to pull other threads in the pattern into alignment with what the pattern wants to happen. Um, Which I have a little real- bit of an issue with the description because the pattern is presented as a non-sentient entity, but also presented as a sentient entity that's like, an extension of the creator that wants to kind of resist the dark one. Uh, we get that with the bubbles of evil that kind of travel the threads of the pattern and like I, randomly fuck shit up, like drunk people at a frat party. I mean, I don't know. It's weird, but these, but the Taviran are kind of like these focal points. Grow. Yeah. Well, um, this is where like the metaphysics kind of becomes interesting. Cause uh, when you think about uh a lot of the depiction of gravity and, and time distortion in, in our universe slash world slash our limited understanding of whatever you see uh, the more dense uh, the grav or the more that's fucking English, the stronger a gravitational pull of a body is you often see it as like this kind of grid network lattice that is uh, more distorted, the stronger gravity is. Right. And that's what I think of with Tavir uh, and brands like, a small black hole that just pulls a whole bunch of stuff in and nobody can get away to influence oh, sure things to go away. Black hole. Ayo. <laughs> I, okay. Hey, I hate you. So <laughs> I what, you. what you're saying about, <laughs> I, I love your comments about the pattern and I will take, and I know this is slightly off topic and I know we never do that. But I will take issue with one thing. Is hey, Josh, said, get I don't back think on the topic. Pattern, <laughs> I don't think the pattern is ever, in, is ever, I think people kind of talk about it like it's sentient, but I don't think it's a sentient thing. I think it is an essence of order. Yeah. And the reason it resists the dark one is because the dark one is an essence, has an essence of chaos. Um and then when order needs a little bit more concentrated order, it like pops a little Taviran in there to be a little bit more of a concentration. Yeah, no, that's that's what I was pointing at. It's the yeah. when I mean like it's whenever the books, whenever they have the unreliable narrator that kind of talk about the pattern as if it is sentient, it can be misleading or confusing to readers to sit there and be like, 
Well, on one hand, you say like they affect the pattern and the pattern just is and doesn't mm-hmm. really want anything. And then they talk about the pattern as if it has sentience. It's like, no, like, sure, sure. sure. It's, it's like a spun thread, like spun threads will have like curves and twists and turns that the fibers naturally kind of work against or with each other to want to do. Right. Um, just like uh, overall, the whole thing is called the. Uh, the, uh, the, the fucking. Um, Pattern of ages, the lace of lace of ages ish. Something it depends on where you're at. Sometimes people call it different things. It's like well, it's like the overall like, construction that the threads of the pattern create is called the lace of ages or, yeah. or something like that. Um, yeah. but yeah, like you, you you more clearly stated exactly what I was trying to get at, and I can't okay. vocabulary because uh fucking and keep getting in the way. It's I mean, yeah, interesting because this is actually one of the things that I've always loved about the books, and it's I uh, it is the unreliable narrator, 100%. Um, maybe not 100%. It's definitely a large part unreliable narrator, as well as I think that it is actually intentionally left up to to change, or not to, to to interpretation on purpose in some ways, uh, by Robert Jordan and by Brandon Sanderson and by the characters and by everything in the story that, again... They talk about Tavirian in these two very like spectrum opposite ways that in the end brings it to the same conclusion. And that's fine. But it is this sort of like on one side of the spectrum, they talk about what you guys have just been talking about, about every time the pattern, which is just sort of the essence of order, needs something to happen or the the world needs a savior, it pops out. A Tavira. It pops out Aang. Um, and then he disappears <laughs> for a hundred years. No. Uh, it pops Curse out a Tavira. <clears throat> or a dragon or whatever, because it's time. It's time for that to happen. And then the pattern effectively sort of shoehorns them into where they need to be to get out of it their purpose. The reason that they were spun into the pattern in the first place. Then there's sort of the other thing that a lot of people talk about, which is sort of the opposite. I mean, like it starts from the same place as far as it is sort of the pattern uh, putting a soul back into the world or, a, or you know, a, a life or just whatever. And then they have so much agency and choice on the pattern that they weave the pattern around them instead of it shoehorning them into what it needs. Oh yeah. It's just like a <laughs> movie of uh, slaw bunnies. Yes. No, it's, it's exactly that way. You've, you've seen, you've seen the sure. movie slaw bunnies. I have. Really? Yeah. What about you, Josh? Have you seen it? I've never even heard of this. Oh, it's really cool. Slaw bunnies nuts. That's that's the joke. I walked yeah. into that one. You're welcome. I You're welcome. In, I walked right into that one. <laughs> that's Fuck. why I said I'd seen it, Josh. I've heard that before. <laughs> I've heard it before. I've heard the joke before, <laughs> and I wasn't gonna walk into it a second time. Well, I tell you now, I ain't gonna walk into it a second time myself. No, no but- I I love. 
but it is really interesting concept of nobody even really knows exactly how much agency it's has versus how much they're forced to do things nobody really understands whether it's the the pattern needs something and so it happens or whether the Taviran needs something and so they make the pattern happen and that's one of the things that i love so much about Taviran is that in so many stories you have the savior character or the main character or the the you know title character or whatever you want to call them and they have this absolutely insane chain of events that happened to them and so many of them are truly unbelievable they have the craziest plot armor they have the weirdest shit happened to and around them and there are plenty of times where you look at it and you go that wasn't even remotely optimal that wasn't a good idea (laughs) that should not have happened the only reason that that exists in the story is to create conflict so that the story can be more pages long. And in the Wheel of Time, I'm not saying that that doesn't exist. It does. But Robert Jordan went, yeah, that's how stories work. I'm going to make that story relevant (laughs) rather than going ahead and just beating you over the head with this is the main character so they get to do stuff it's like a a good story reason why these things happen to them but again even though it's in there and it's described in a certain way and whatever it's still this mystery as to why and how and where and when and all of that different stuff so you never know when it's gonna pop up you never know when x is gonna happen even though you know that it's always a possibility around these characters sorry josh go ahead i will no 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 that's that's perfect um because it talks about you you talked about you know how much agency does a taviran have how much freedom do they actually have to make their own choices well this is matt's entire matt and perrin both well matt rand and perrin all three of them have extreme struggles with i want to do what i want to do and they've got that beautiful Manetheran stubbornness that strong enough to even halt the mighty Aes Sedai. <laughs> and the pattern's like, yes, yes, good, good. Feel the stubborn flow through <laughs> you. And, and so, you know, the nature of Taviran. I think is a really great allegory for sort of an amplified philosophical discussion about the nature of fate or destiny, because, you know, it Kung Fu Panda, you know, one often meets his fate on the road he takes to avoid it. And how many times Confucius? Well, I'm saying Kung Fu Panda. So I'm trying, I'm trying to appeal to a younger audience, Andrew. (laughs) You would. (laughs) I mean, it's well, interesting because along that the same lines, kind of creepy like, and pedophilic. No, not until oh, you just said that. Now there's feel... more editing for Andrew. Good job, <laughs> Andrew. There you go. More fucking editing. Your heart was in the right place, but your mouth is coming out of your asshole. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, so what are we McNasty I, I, on YouTube? What the fuck's going on here? I, I but yeah, no, it's it's an interesting though. 
Yeah. Because essentially, because like one of the good parallels, uh, a zone is like strange, <laughs> strange attractors, um, which is a term coined by David Ruel and Floris Hakens. Um, and it's it gets into like this really uh, thick and I don't understand it metaphysical kind of discussion because they were looking at fluid flow. Um, sure. And it, that can be a very good parallel. I mean, it's a lot of the same thing. Uh, we see later that Rand says for as many positive Taviran effects as there are, there are an equal amount of negative effects. Right, uh, you just strings, said, fucking baby, baby farthing and, you know, old man Jenkins. And old man Jenkins becoming a balloon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, a lot of the same thing happens. Uh, I would love to read the little write-up on it, but it includes so many words that I do not have the knowledge base to understand. <laughs> Aww. Look up attractors and specifically strange attractors, and that seems to be a good parallel for Tavern. Maybe we'll find out more about that uh, in, I believe, November. You know, when the the, the, the the next book or the new book comes out about yeah, like, the, is that the origins of the Wheel of Time or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, they be, they become incredibly interesting, and I really like the way that Robert Jordan used this kind of metaphysical, uh, but also mystical ideal to give a reason <laughs> as to why characters are able to do things that make no logical sense to have happened, but also experience things that have no logical sense to have happened. I mean, if you think of Taviran as, as people that kind of warp and bend the pattern around them both based on their need, but ultimately their need for the wheel to correct the flow of the pattern, then you get these interesting effects where you're, on one hand, a bunch of marriages happen amongst people that just met five minutes ago. Uh, and then you have a bunch of divorces from people that have been married for 55 years or however long you live in Brandland. I don't fucking know. Probably not 55 years. Six shit be years. Crazy. God, that's such a long... Yeah. Yeah, people. We're living to thirty-five now. A woman doesn't have to be tied down. There's your movie quote. Uh, it's not there you go. But uh, but yeah. So you have all of this happening, but then you also see that it looks like being having the Tavern pull, and it's unclear how much of this is kind of the Dark One's ability to use Tavern pull to his advantage or not. But then you get things oh, course, like yeah. bubbles of evil. Yep. Oh. Um, that they come up and they're kind of described as like, you know, these are things that just kind of either ride on the threads in the pattern or they kind of sit stagnant at points that they know they're going to be intercepted with and like crazy shit happens. Yep. Um, honestly, I think, I think Tavern are probably some of the most initial uh, kind of examples of Robert Jordan's love for metaphysics, but probably some of the best examples of his love for metaphysics. Mm-hmm. I agree with both of those statements. Yeah. Great success. Great success. And that's the episode, guys. We've just finished. We all there agreed on something, which Tavirin means we don't have anything more to talk about. Is under <laughs> control. We got this. We got this unlocked. Uh, no, I like I I I love the idea, especially when you start to discuss, you know, because people start to think, oh, well, if I can do whatever I want, as as Rand begins to he starts to think well if i can do whatever i want i can will the pattern to do the things that i want it to do because you know hey baby i can do no wrong everything i do is the right thing because i'm he kind of goes down a rabbit hole in which he 
I don't know, man. It, it, it gets weird. And, and Matt is kind of like on the other opposite spectrum of it. Like if I go all the way over there, then there's no pattern that it can fuck with me. It all ends up working out. Like, yeah, we get that. It all ends up working out, but it's, it's it interesting seems like pseudo free will. Yeah. It's interesting to note that the three boys go through life you know, and you've got to kind of wonder how much of that is them imposing their will on their surroundings and how much of that is essentially their surroundings sort of, you know, bending the knee to, to serve them up whatever they need. Mm-hmm. Uh, a great example of this would be Perrin when he's forging and he has no idea what he's forging and he's tink, tink, tink putting it in the fire tink 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 and then one of the ashaman is standing there going you know i could do that for you i mean let me hop in on this beat let Let me lay down some weaves on this track let me just let me just hop oh dude i love you so much right now that was (laughs) that was beautiful but no but so and i think what was who was it was it gedwin who was it that did that i can't remember someone look it up while i talk about this please but uh the ashaman was just like uh yeah i'm gonna do a thing real quick i'll keep it hot for you and then another ashaman comes over and is like what are you doing and he's like i don't know it just seems it just seems cool it seems like the right thing to do and the other it was uh it was neil yeah and he's like he's like i don't know it just seems like the right thing to do and the ashaman's like the other ashaman's like uh, y'all gotta come see this. He's doing some funky shit, and they link like there's ladies there who link up with Lays him so those that, funky weaves, Ashaman, so they can see the weaves. And everybody's like, "No, seriously, what the hell are you doing?" And he's just like, "I don't know. It just feels right." Perrin wasn't doing anything at all, other than working at the forge, and the pattern for whatever reason you know, decided, air quotes, decided that it was time to rediscover power rot materials. Perrin wasn't doing anything. He wasn't trying to avoid his destiny. He wasn't trying to meet his destiny. He was just in the moment. He was in, he was trying to find Zen and he found it and and the pattern spoke and it was amazing. It's interesting because the, the way I read it and interpret it or understand it or whatever is uh, when I when I say pseudo free will, it's freedom of path, but no freedom of destination. No matter you can, there's multiple avenues to get to the same end point. And uh, we learned throughout the books that the pattern already has a desired path for you to take to get to this end point. Like, hey, this is the optimal path. Um because even RJ said, like, you can kind of think of the pattern in the wheel as a supercomputer of sorts that is dealing in zeros and ones. It's dealing in binary code. And it has identified, you know, this optimal path that goes straight from point A to point B. Now, you can take the, the, the path, or excuse me, from point A to point Z. And you can either shortcut straight from A to Z, or you can go from A to B to N to Q to R to Z or whatever. But the more you diverge away from 
that kind of optimal path that the pattern or the wheel has identified, the more vicious the snapback to the ultimate end goal is. And I kind of wonder now if Rand being captured by the Aes Sedai and Dumai as well as happening Ooh. is part of the pattern snapping him back to a point like, hey, it's not actually another guy in your head. It's fucking you and you need to accept it. And here's the thing that's going to help make you do that while also getting you to kind of stop sitting on your ass in two different thrones and really not doing a whole lot of what you need to be doing. Because the pattern doesn't care. Run from it. <laughs> Destiny arrives all the same. Where does it lead Or rather, you? the box Back arrives me. all the same. Uh, <laughs> Dread it. it, it s- run from it. The Reds will find you yeah. just the same. Yeah. Uh, we did have the, Leandre the real... Sedai at the Black Tower a little while ago. Yep. It was fantastic, though. I mean, it was fantastic. But I mean, yeah, so Sorry, the, the wheel ahead, doesn't Andrew. care about like interpersonal or international dynamics about like how much Andor loves or hates the the IEL or or rather came uh, not Kamelin, um Karian hates Karian. the IEL. Right. Um the, the wheel doesn't care. All that is indifferent to it, much like a logical, like kind of style of computer system would be like, no, just these two actors in this overall scope are the best suited to get to what I need. Uh and that seems like well, how a lot of things push together. And there's a lot of things that happen that there, there's no super logical explanation for it. I mean, Matt, maybe one of the most confusing examples of how much of this is his uh, relatively unexplained luck versus how much of this is severe and, and how much of all of it is just both. Yes. See, I always figured Matt's luck was and this 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 might be another kind of fun method of, of discussion here, but I always figured Matt's luck and his and the dice or whatever was sort of his personal manifestation of the pattern, you know, winding around him. Like he needs to make money while he's in uh, while he's on while he's at the White Tower, so he needs to be able to play dice. So the pattern says, you know what? You are always going to win at dice. Um, I think he drank. I think he drank the wine. I mean, that's probably because my thing is like, do we see like actual manifestations or interpretations from Rand and Perrin about like them being Tavirin? Yes, we do. Yes. Okay. What's Perrin's? Well, uh, we just kind of talked about Perrin. Well, there is a scene in which no, Varen... I mean like things. So, so Matt hears the dice. Oh, oh, and if okay. we're going to say that that is like his Tavir and pull, what equivalent kind of perceivable or uh, perceptible kind of thing do Rand and Perrin have? I don't know, I don't know if anything. Perrin has one, but you could call Luz Theron Rand's. Technically. They, yeah, but that also has co- an would, alternate explanation. Of, the, uh, sure. Of I'm not DID. saying it doesn't. Um, but at the same Part time... Part of this is me playing devil's advocate on the theory. I'm not going to lie. I'm being... Hey, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's... It's a good one. Um, I think the one they all share is the colors swirling in their heads. Well, sure. But that, as yeah. as they get towards the end of the book, those colors began to actually coalesce into images, imagery. Actually, that's that's not true, Josh. Rand doesn't get the colors. Only Matt and Perrin do. Rand never uh-huh. talks about actually seeing the colors. 
Matt and Aaron are basically driven to Rand via the colors, but Rand is not driven to them in any way or towards anything specifically. No, you're correct there because it's always Matt and Perrin who say, I can feel his pull. He needs me. Rand Rand has some weird shit going on with Moradin which is a different thing, but he doesn't have the same thing that Matt or that Matt and Perrin do with the colors seemingly. And, and you, please correct me if I'm wrong. Cause I, I have been wrong many times before, but I'm like 99% sure that Rand doesn't ever actually describe seeing the colors with the other two. I, I it's thought, just the other two seeing them towards. I Rand. thought I could swear that Rand did see the colors. I, I don't I, I think could, I thought he did. I don't think Perrin and Matt. I think Perrin and Matt are the only ones that felt right. the fact pull. checker Mahale says he does. That I because like Matt, I, I thought that was like the effect of Tavern because we are we learned early on that Men says like, hey, if you three don't all have each other, we're yes. all super fucked. Yes, and that anytime they were apart for too long, this is kind of the patterns way of saying like, hey, fucking reunion time this time for homecoming version 37.5 right yeah it gets yeah because that's how it comes uh gray aja pointed out gray aja sitter uh they get like kind of visions of what the what each other is kind of doing i know there's one where it's an elaine pov where it says with the green is amerlin and the band of the ranhead is army i suppose matt can stay there a while and then for some reason, Rand just kind of blinks and touches his forehead. Um, and then it kind of went on in a kind of uh, casual tone. But it, it seems like there are circumstances where they each experience the swirling colors with occasional visions. And then the closer we do get to the last battle, the more the visions are less swirls of colors and more uh, glimpses into what's going on with the other one. Uh, but I think we get most of the views of that from Matt and Perrin, where they're like, they see Rand doing this or Rand doing that because Rand being the strongest of the three seems like right. he would logically have the strongest pull because he's marching straight to Tarma Guide and the others are kind of weaving around on the on the wings. Well, and like I, and like I was saying earlier in the episode, they actually imply that Rand is a stronger Taviran than the other two. Correct. But they don't have a way of quantifying that. Rand mm. has a a pull time, you know, a pull of X times 10, where you know Perrin and Matt have a pull of X times five. I don't know. So yeah, There's, it's just that's why I did I did look it up. Uh there are like seven to ten entries on uh Perrin and Matt, and then there are three entries on Rand of times that he sees the colors. Right. So yeah. Okay, so it does happen, but again, I I do think it's I think what you were getting at was that only Matt and Perrin feel that pull. Oh, that or, wasn't what I was getting at specifically. You oh. can bring that up if you'd like, but I was actually just talking about the colors and I was incorrect well, in go. my statement, but I still <clears throat> was just talking about the colors. I can That's admit that why... I was incorrect. We have a fact checker, Mahal. Indeed. <laughs> well, I think it's it's interesting because Matt is actually one of the most interesting examples of Taviran, in my opinion, um, because he really is almost this sort of epitome of, is it fate or is it choice? 
because for example the the greatest like just sort of single scene of what this looks like uh is the battle for carrion the uh forces of the of rand's forces and the aiel come to uh fight the shido aiel who are sieging uh carrion with Kooladin at their head. And huh. Matt goes at their head. You heard me. <laughs> and Matt goes, nah. I'm actually done with this. When you need me again, let me know and I might be there. But I'm out. And Rand goes, I understand. I'm sorry to see you go. You are actually still one of my best friends, <laughs> uh, even though we've been through some real shit together, but you can go. I'm not I hate, gonna force I hate you to, to see you go, but I like to watch you leave. He does have. It a is funny how Matt reduces to cool it into like essentially NPC energy. Oh yeah, 100%. like you know what? You're not even worth killing on screen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's like the ultimate burn in the wheel of time. It's like, oh, you think you're a main character? We're gonna kill you off screen. Thanks for playing. See you later. I think you're a main character. You're not even character development worthy. Oh. oh, all right, Layla. I mean, what? Oh, shit. <laughs> sorry, I'm so sorry. I take all of oh, everything shit. I've all ever right. said you know back. What? I okay. quit this podcast. I'm done this, forever. We're gonna give this line of jokes the axe. Man already found all the shade. Now he just needs the water. Holy shit. Oh, no, right. but. But again, I, I like this that the you know, but he Rand knew it was futile it was futile for Matt to run, but does he? I don't know if he actually hundred percent does, but again, how does Matt go about running away? He keeps on trying to run out of the battle and he leaves before the battle even technically starts. So he goes and he runs into a situation that oh wait, it claims that Matt can't run away from not that he's actually pulled into it so strong by like physical means but that he as a good person as a responsible leader as an adult as someone with battle knowledge all of these different things that he is the perfect storm of can't let this pass by him without actually going and helping without doing something about it oh and then once he's done with that, he tries to leave again and, and runs into another situation that's exactly the same thing. And so, again, it's almost a perfect example of how much of that was fate, how much of that was the pattern shoehorning him into, we can't have you this far away from Rand. We are going to make it so that you stay. And how much of that was his actual nature that said... I happened upon a situation that I can't leave. And now it's my choice that I'm deciding I can't let that go and I need to stay to fix this problem. And that just happens over and over and over again. And again, it's also a little bit of a question of, okay, well, maybe that's the first time in terms of, I I don't know what you want to call it necessarily of like, 
you know, the, the first time it happens is a fluke and then that's Matt's choice. But like the fact that it keeps happening is now destiny because it just knows that Matt won't run away. So it's just like, keep putting him into that position, motherfuckers. Like <laughs> where does fate stop? No and escape where from reality. does choice come oh, into back play? To reality? Oh, there goes gravity. <laughs> oh, there goes gravity. spaghetti. Oh, but yeah, no, it's, it's incredible spaghetti. how it. Ariel, <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah, no, oh. spaghetti. But it is actually, it's absolutely incredible, like how it works and how Devere work. Uh, because, and, I, and I've said this several times before, uh, normally and probably even now, um, in terms of Egwene in the books, because you have, mm-hmm. especially with the TV show now, you have a whole host of people that are like, no, Egwene is Tavir, no, Egwene isn't Tavir. Uh, and my proposal or my proposed resolution, I guess, to the argument is that it's a yes, but no, but yes answer, where she is Tavir by proxy. Um, that a sufficiently strong force that is going to pull and manipulate the pattern uh, as a focal point to what is needed to happen is also going to have an effect on other threads of other people, which we've obviously seen. So that by nature of being really good friends and close people with our three main Taviran, our three true Taviran, if you will, that Egwene and Nynaeve, and at times Lan, and at times Lorraine, and at times uh, pick uh, several other characters, they will become sort of proxy Taviran that, okay, to fully seal the dark one away, Rand needs the seals to be broken. So that Tavir pull is going to pull in like people like Loghain, and it's going to pull in Egwene. And okay, well, to put Egwene in this position where she can do this, she's going to need X, Y, and Z. So then the proxy Tavir pull is going to pull in X, Y, and Z. And you have this X, this kind of expanding but diminutive in strength kind of Tavir and pull that is going to make the surrounding bodies from that central goal slightly uh, less powerful Tavir and as it goes on beyond that. Because some of the stuff Egwene does uh, or happens around her is absolutely incredible and it kind of defies some of what you would rationally expect. Like Oh, it absolutely her, defies sense. Like Egannon. Yeah. Everything about Egannon being there and being like, hey, you know, we were bad. Now we're good. Coming from the Shantan and being like, yeah, I get it. You just lost your water, but we really need you right now. And you just, that's who just happens to be there. Is like yeah. almost like a kind of rounding out and kind of like closure to Egwene's arc, starting kind of with some of the Shantan stuff and then ending I, with a Shantan kind of coming in and, and helping her. I, Can I actually I, respond Real quick, Josh, because I, I I think this comes down to to an interesting question that it's very chicken and egg in terms of the fact that yeah. really the question, your answer to the question and why you answer it that way actually tells you a lot about how you think about the question itself. And I think this is a perfect example of that, because a lot of people who say that, oh, no, Egwene isn't Taviran are making the argument that a, that Egwene has more agency than a Taviran. And so they're attributing all of the things that she does to her doing them. 
And the people who say, oh, no, she is a Taviran, um, are sort of saying, and again, this is a, a weird line because I'm in neither of these camps in some ways, is the idea that, oh, no, Egwene actually gets put into just the same situations as Rand and Perrin and Matt, and that she is this sort of shoehorned into the pattern person. And so it's a question of whether she has agency or not. And I, I mean, we actually talked about this uh, when you and I were with Nablus, that mm. I was actually making the argument that she is Taviran, but also that Taviran have agency. And that's why I actually think, like, again, I'm sort of an outlier to the question, not because I'm so special and unique, but just because I've always <laughs> thought that, you know, Taviran have more agency than a lot of people give them credit for, because I am in the camp of they form the pattern around them rather than the pattern jams them into whatever they need to be. Oh yeah. Um, Cause that's where you and I disagree. Exactly. I agree yeah. that they have a lot of agency. However, the pattern forces them to follow a path rather than they force the pattern to follow. Sure. And, I, and I'm on the side of, of literally, I, I absolutely just hmm. choose to believe because again, the story never answers the question. It doesn't definitively answer whether <laughs> Andrew's correct, whether Daniel's correct, whether X is correct, whether Y is correct, it leaves it open to interpretation. And I choose to interpret it with the idea that the pattern chooses to put a Taviran into the world, but once the Taviran is out there, they get to make all of their own choices and they go ahead and have crazy things happen to them because of their nature rather than this like being jammed into situations. And that's why when I say Egwene is a Taviran, I'm not taking away her agency. I'm actually giving her more agency. <laughs> but people so, are like, no, no, no. If you make Egwene a Taviran, she actually loses something. And again, it's just a, it's more of a difference in interpretation of what the word means rather than a discussion of whether they are or aren't, because it ends up coming back to this discussion of, Okay, but what do you interpret Taviran to mean, Josh? So, so do you know? I, I, for two things. One, I'm really happy that we brought Egwene up because I don't think you can have a conversation. I knew from the about, start we would. Oh I, yeah, I don't think you it can have a conversation happened. about Taviran. It's almost like without talking about she's Egwene. a Taviran or something, and it was inevitable. Secondly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. I, I have often said Bullshit. I have often said that one of the things I love most about you guys and about the show and about the dynamic that we have is that we have three different people from three different walks of life who have three different opinions. Now, here's the fun there part. Can be only I one. will offer a third interpretation about the nature awesome. of Taviran. Let's do it. I believe with Daniel that Taviran have full free agency. I do. I believe that they can do whatever the hell they want to do. But I also agree with Andrew that the pattern weaves around them and will sort of manipulate their way and say to them, no, this is what you need to be doing. Now, how does that work, right? How can both be true? How does that work? My, my example of this is when I believe it was, it, it was Matt and he's coming through the valley and he's, you know, avoiding conflict. He's avoiding being seen. And Varen goes, oh, hello, Matt. 
you must be the Taviran whom I'm supposed to meet up with. You must and he be goes, the Taviran instead of... And he goes, he goes, lady, I've been avoiding people like you for months. And she goes, yeah, and I've been trying to get back to the White Tower for months. Thanks a lot, dick. And then she starts to illustrate the most ridiculous set of circumstances mm-hmm. that prevented her from getting back to the White Tower because the pattern knew there was a Taviran coming who was acting in a roguish way, doing whatever the fuck they want. And it was rogue. like, it was like, Varen, you're a powerful thread that can make things happen. Now you're over here with Matt. I would say that Taviran have an extreme amount of agency, like all of us do. The problem is that when you're caught up in the pull of the needs of the pattern and there's a Taviran nearby, you lose your agency in the light. You know, your agency sort of becomes a shadow in the light of the Taviran who is nearby. Does that make sense? No, that totally makes yeah. sense. And I actually totally agree with I, that. I think that's a common ground between the two opinions, which kind well, of, I'm actually, not going to lie. I know I just said it, but it kind of blows my mind right now. <laughs> yeah. So to maybe better better clarify, because I, I don't know exactly how in line or out of line this is going to be with any other thought. Um, my view of how Taviran works and the whole agency kind of thing is that the Taviran still have agency of path. However, they have yes. no agency of, of destination. destination. Yeah. That the, when the wheel spins out these, uh, these threads and they spin out the Taviran, the wheel knows start point and it has desired end point. Yep. And the wheel doesn't care how you get to end. Point. Yeah. As long as, as, long you, as get you get it. there. But it will work in ways to use its other threads and your own kind of Tavir and kind of pull to snap you back into a path that will bring you to that end point. So if I am traveling from fucking Havelock, North Carolina to Los Angeles, California, I can choose to ride my motorcycle there. Yep. Oh, my poor ass cheeks. I can choose to drive my car there. I can choose to I can choose to travel up north and go through Utah before I go to LA. I can choose to hug the southern border. I can choose to fly. Those are yep. all different ways that I can use to get there as long as I get there. Now, if I'm like halfway through the trip and I'm like, you know what, I want to go visit uh, Seattle first, the pattern might snap back and be like, oh, this route's closed. You got to go back further south. I still have free agency of the path I am taking to that endpoint. However, no matter what, in terms of Taviran, that pattern will force me to still go towards the endpoint. And the more I try to go in a counterweight to it, the harsher the snapback will be. And it will take away the agency of everyone in your way. You want to go to that shop? It's closed. Guess what? That person didn't have the ability to go to work today, which is why that shop is closed. So... 
So the other thing is, again, I'm going to ask a question here before I go ahead and make my statement. And again, I'm not pushing you into anything. I just want to legitimately know the answer. Do you think there was ever that, that in this particular weaving of the pattern, in this particular story, that Rand ever actually had the ability to or had the possibility in some ways of joining the Dark One or dying? Yes, because the Dark One is the counter to the order of the pattern. So So with the Dark One's influence, you can go counter to the ordained agency or the ordained path of the Tavirin. So that was actually, that's actually one of the things that drives me away from that thought of agency of path, but not agency of destination. Because I think that personally, if you don't have agency of destination it somewhat takes away from the options because in my understanding of that, and again, I I don't know if there's a way that you can explain it that actually makes it work or, you know, whether you do agree with this or don't agree with this or whatever. I'm going to try to, if I can remember it. Yeah. (laughs) Is the idea that if that's true, my view of that, that sort of theory uh, of that interpretation of that, whatever uh, is that, if that is true, that there was no, that the pattern doesn't give you agency of destination, then there was no world or there, there was no possibility that Rand turns to the shadow. There was no possibility that in the story that we read that he dies, because if the pattern actually needs to give him every single thing that needs to happen to get him to sealing the Dark One, which is in this particular book series, the end of the story, the destination, then unless it gets incredibly convoluted, which I guess is part of the point, and I, and I can get that, he can't really ever die. And he can't really ever turn to the shadow if that is the destination. And that, to me, flies in the face of agency in general. And and so, again, that's why I'm not telling you you're wrong in any way, shape, or form. And if you are listening right now and you also have that interpretation, please do not hear this (laughs) as me telling you you're incorrect on your interpretation. That is the beauty of interpretations. I just can't wrap my head personally around full agency while also still needing to get to a specified point. Does that make sense? So, yeah. So my response to that would be that the pattern itself and the wheel itself can only influence things of which it has a sort of dominion over, some sort of control or influence over. When you have the dark one, uh, once this like prison is released, this prison, this prison initially created by the creator, he exists in the same space and sphere of influence as the creator, as the wheel, as the pattern. So he doesn't exist within uh, the laws of physics. He doesn't list uh, exist within the laws of time or space. So okay. he's going to yeah. be playing on the same battlefield that the pattern is playing out on. Okay. So whenever you take away that and you put him on the same battlefield as the pattern, then he has the ability to affect the pattern to take and change how things happen if he is able to work in the influence. And that's what gives the, the actors within the pattern how, whether, how much they're going along with the pattern or how much they're not going along with the pattern 
That's what allows for that to be a point of contention, a point of concern, because all the pattern can say is for me to continue to exist as the wheel, as the pattern from point A, this thread needs to make it to point Z. However, that happens still needs to happen. But at any point in that, just like with the bubbles of evil, the dark one has the potential to intercede and break the logical flow because he doesn't exist under the bounds of the pattern. So you can still have... Also factually correct. So you can still have that logical flow from point A to point Z that the pattern wants, but the entity that exists on the same playing field as the pattern and the wheel can intercede and interfere with that because, hey, we're playing on the same battlefield. We're playing 4D chess where everybody in the pattern is playing 2D chess. <laughs> okay, so a I, I, new question, uh, because this actually, that, that, that does explain in some ways, at least I think, uh, a little bit more about this. Uh, and I want to explain I'm excited for the comments that are like more. poking holes in all of our statements. I know, right? Like, they're always so much fun. <laughs> so, so the way that I read that, unfortunately, now is that it still has the characters lose agency. It's just from one of two entities. Mm-hmm. either the pattern is getting you from point A to point Z or the dark one is ruining the patterns point A to point Z. You as a character can't actually break that cycle, period. Mm-hmm. But you can lean into one of those two entities that is or is not trying to get you to point Z. Yeah, along your whole path, you encounter sure. several points of Robert Frost. Are you going to take the road less traveled or the road more traveled? That's 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 a great okay. see. And and again, let me be very very clear, Andrew. I love that oh. that interpretation, and I actually think it's very interesting, and it makes the dark one infinitely more dangerous. And I love that. I I just hate it because it like again it makes it so <laughs> the characters don't really truly get choice. I mean, they do, because again, as you said, they do have choice of path. They do have choices that are set in front of them by one of the entities in some ways, as well as their own. I'm not saying that they don't have a third option, if you will, but it still doesn't ever mean that they truly have any ability to get out of a cycle that is created by either one entity or the other. And I cannot stand Do you know- <laughs> characters not having the ability to get out of a cycle that is either by, you know, God or the devil or whatever you <laughs> want to call it's, them it's, or blah, blah, It's blah. frustrating. Like, I, I love is. that you don't like it and you don't ascribe to it because since I do... <laughs> It diminishes the actions of so many characters for me. This is yeah, this is I love this it. is actually a super fun sort of commentary though, because this actually is in in a in a certain way, this is an ends justifies the means kind of conversation. Also true. Because if the pattern says no, the end slice of the bread never justify them existing, that's bullshit. But I, that's a joke. It's a joke. Some of us like ends, motherfucker. No, I actually don't. Not there are ends. no endings in the wheel amazing. of bread. Yeah. That's what makes bread in the wheel of time so amazing. There's no end slices. Oh, shut up, Andrew. <laughs> this is such a great episode. You I love suck. No, I was going to say that because if, if someone has agency to do whatever the hell they want, but 
it doesn't matter what they do, they will end up at point Z, period, end of story. Then you're saying the ends justifies the means. Kind of, yeah. Uh, to a certain extent. Yeah. You're, now, now, a lot of times what people say when they say the ends justify the means is what they say is they say, it's okay for me to do really, really shitty things sure. so long as it's in the name of something good or yeah, yeah, for yeah. the cause of something good. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what it has to be. It just is the way that it's often used. And, and so, yeah. and so this, is, this is sort of an ends justifies the means in a sense that the pattern's like, do whatever the hell you want. I don't care what you do. You will end up back here. And thus, and how far off the path you go is how much I'm going to hurt you on the way there. Yeah. Now, and thus I you will, have the argument of order versus chaos. And yes. Exactly. Now, no, I will say, I will say that I think that the boys definitely could have ended up somewhere else. They could have. Absolutely. Like, not 100%. on Amazon Prime? I believe like the boys could have been, a show on, been on FX a, if they had even remotely tried to do a good anybody job. any I, I was <laughs> okay fine I was referring specifically to Rand Matt and Perrin but you're oh, absolutely we know correct. we Rand, know Matt, that Wayne because no, I'm going by the book to Baron. no we know um, we were making a different joke <laughs> I was making Josh. a joke about the TV show the boys on Amazon Prime no okay anyway I, I, I absolutely 100% believe that they could have done the different thing because one of the things that I tell people when they say, what's the wheel of time is I say, look, imagine a world <laughs> in a world where Jesus has come back to save the day, but has he tune in to the wheel oh. of time? That's, that's I was thinking my... Twilight Zone. Imagine if you will, a door. That could be. But the thing is, is a lot of the story is riding on Rand and company. Yes. As we learn throughout the progression of the series, Rand and company needs to be together at the last battle in order to be successful. We do have examples of people being told similar things. Suwan is told by men. You need to be attached at the hip to Gareth Bryn. If you are not, you will both die. What happens? At the last battle, they separate and they both die. Spoilers. But you are already <laughs> yeah, warned. We were already spoiled, Condom. So we're good. So, <laughs> so the, thing, the, the thing being is that to me... And that's a Trojan guarantee. It, <laughs> it adds a depth of suspense mystery terror horror is rand going to save the world or is he going to go insane is rand going to save the world or is he going to kill the dark one and and remove choice the world from everybody and thus yeah. essentially kill everybody like there's some terrifying philosophical like thought experiments going on here and I feel like if you were to say, and so, you know, I, this is my descent, as it were. If you were to say Into that Rand yes. could possibly not end up anywhere else than where he did at the end of the story, I feel like you remove that suspense. You remove that mystery. You remove mm -hmm. that fear that 
Jesus didn't come to save us. He came to kill us. So I have, I have two points on that. Number one, I, I, I kind of disagree with that in terms of the fact that we've watched plenty of prequels to things and you still have suspense while you're watching the movie of how are they going to get there? How is this going to happen? What are the events that lead up to it? Even if you know at the end of the story who's alive and who's not and you know the sure. general overall outcome. So yes, I, I don't totally disagree with your statement, but also you can still have suspense even that's, if you know the Star destiny. Wars 101. I, I didn't say stars. you couldn't. I I'm just sorry. said you it said it removes, removes it. some of it. Okay. Fair. And and that's that's totally true. Uh, it, the other it removes thing that I would the say, will they win or will they fail suspense. First, it starters, doesn't remove yeah. the how do we get there. Suspense. No, 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 very much so. True. Um, and Excellent the other thing point. that I was going to say is uh, one of the things that I think is really, really interesting in the story that they actually even explore to a certain degree is also is getting from point A to point Z enough? Because the Red Sisters under Galena, have a plan that they are going to take Rand and bring him to the White Tower and basically shackle and shield him until the, the last battle. And then at the point of Tarman Gaiden, he will be released onto the battlefield to fight the Dark One and do his dragonly duties. Dragon, I love that. To As save if the that world. is what he would want to do at that point. Well, and, right. and so that that actually is is exactly what I was literally about to say. Is the in the story, so many things happen to these characters, and so many of them are almost unrecognizable as the same character from book one to book 14. And they all go through so much and learn so much and experience so much and all of this different all of these different you know, story arcs that they have, that when they arrive at the last battle, a lot of them are exactly what the last battle needed. But wouldn't have been even remotely what the last battle needed if they had been locked up inside a place to allow them to not die before the last battle occurred. If Rand goes, if Rand comes out of the box and has the last battle, the world is doomed. It takes Rand actually becoming Bodhisattva Rand to have him be the dragon that the world needs when Tarman Gaiden hits. And so it's one of those really interesting things of, you know, even if you're talking about the, the pattern or the dark one needs you to get from point A to point Z. There are so many different, there is an entire alphabet of points that it needs to you to get to, to make you the person you are by the point, or by point Z. And that's actually one of the, the really interesting, again, things that I have uh, sort of a, a, not necessarily a like strong kickoff response to people who are like, yeah, but you know, Matt and Perrin and Rand didn't have a choice the Taviranness of them means that they end up sort of being jammed into whatever this needs. And again, I'm not saying that as though anyone here is truly saying that full statement of, but, but I've heard people say it before. 
And it's just like, you're making these characters so much less. You are absolutely pigeonholing them into this like weird kind of gross nature that they will have throughout the book series as you're reading it, if that's what you're taking as Tavirin. Now, again, it's not wrong. It's an interpretation that is 100% with the evidence and the description of the book. But it's also like one that I am 100% like, I don't interpret it like that. And I don't like that interpretation. Get it away from me. Well, imagine, (laughs) imagine this. Imagine that the pattern's goal or its initial vision of point A to point Z Rand is Rand uh, continues to grow in Amon's field, begins to channel. He's got Tam there, the ever-loving, ever-supportive father Mm-hmm. that keeps him grounded in what he is and helps him kind of understand not necessarily channeling, but who he is as a person. And the the from point A to point Z path is a much more understanding, calm, and level-headed level headed Rand that accepts uh, his loose Theron reborn status a lot earlier. Sure. And the Dark One interference is having Moraine show up and take him out of Amon's field with the addition of the Trollocs. Uh, and then it's like, okay, well, they'll meet at Tar at Tar Valon. No, the Dark One kind of intercedes and has them pushed by Trollocs, go into Shadar Logoth, which causes the separation, which causes the stop in Camelin, which alters the timeline. Like I I I think that that dynamic of the events, which obviously we can never prove unless it's coming out in November, um, which I highly doubt, but to me, just that possibility alone that all of the trials and tribulations that Rand goes through are a battle of corrections <laughs> and alterations and detractions and corrections, again, of here's what the pattern is trying to get you to do. Here are these, un, I don't want to say unavoidable, but these intercessions by the Dark One that are altering what the pattern would like to be the natural flow mixed with Rand's own changes in direction that maybe create the suspense and the problematic instances. I mean, I appreciate I can make the joke about how like it I makes was like, Oh, I hate this so much until you just said that. And now I, yeah. I'm much more with you on that because again, yeah. I, I like, like what if, what if we found out that that was Robert, one of Robert Jordan's notes, like the whole reason they even the Moraine even shows up in Amon's field and they go to Shadar Logos and that Rand has this list of, oh my God, I'm the reason all these women died and I'm going to be sexist and say women can't die in battle and all the shit is the dark one planting these little tainty seeds along the route yeah. to force Tain- him to yeah. go on all these detours so he has more options to turn him from the A to Z path to the A to and uh, you know 100 path. Yeah. Welcome no to the Black fair. Tower podcast where we once again have bitten off more <clears throat> than we can chew because this subject is so much bigger than we anticipated. Well, no, no, it is, and it's fair. It's just, and it's beautiful, and this is why we love the Hell Wheel yeah. of Time. Okay. Well, this is why we have a podcast. This is why the books are amazing, and we will always have the books, and if you just want to read the books, please do. They are enough. I am not saying that they are not enough in and of themselves, but also, we have a whole podcast that's 
more than a hundred episodes long because these books are so much more than just what's on the page. And we're going to continue to have a podcast. Correct. Why? Because there is literally no end to the source material. I mean, look at, look at the podcast. Why? Because I <laughs> gotta. Look at the podcast. They're in like in the 300s. Andrew, you're episodes. on it tonight. I, okay, so uh, final thoughts diet. on Tiberian. Like, I know, <laughs> I know it's difficult to really sum this concept up. And I really think we need to put on the schedule Egwene, is she a Tiberian or not, as an episode? Because we could talk about Maybe. that for an entire episode. Oh, without so, a doubt. If you want to hear us talk about whether or not Egwene is a Patreon, leave a comment below. Let us know if you think she is or not. If Tell Egwene's us, a Patreon? She is a Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? Egwene would absolutely be a Patreon, but also, it's is she a Deviren? <laughs> the taint! The taint. I am so taken with the taint. Daniel, round us out. Final <laughs> thoughts incredible. on Deviren. Alright, uh, Final thoughts on Tiberian. I know that I am uh, definitely, I, I think in this community, I am more of a dissenting voice on this particular opinion. Uh, and that's okay. I, I'm not saying that that's a good thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. And I'm not saying that there's any problem with anyone's opinion on this. But I, I definitely, I I love the idea of Tiberian and that they actually even have more choice in the matter than other people. Um. And that's one of the, the reasons that I have always thought that Egwene is a is a Tiberian and that she actually even again has more choice in her life uh, oh, than, even again <laughs> than anybody else. Uh, but but again, it's my thoughts on Tiberian are that they are spat out into the pattern because the pattern decides they're necessary. But what they do from the point that they are put into the pattern is entirely up to them, but that the pattern regularly puts them into situations where they can make incredible choices. Like, again, weird things happen to them, but it's not just because the pattern needs something from them. It's not because the pattern is sentient. It's not because of whatever. They get to make every choice that they make. From the time that they are born to the time that they die, they just are put into more weird situations where they get to make more weird choices. <laughs> and that is that is my thought on Tavir. And, and I've always had that sort of interpretation of what Robert Jordan gives us, even though, again, I will say it one more time because it's important to say the book never answers the question and it leaves it up to mystery and it absolutely leaves it up to interpretation. And it's one of the things that I love about Robert Jordan. It's one of the things that I love about Tavirin in general. And it's one of the things that I will continue to love about, about discussions about the wheel of time, the book series itself and Robert Jordan's really in some ways, just genius as far as, answering so many questions but also not answering so many questions when he was writing these books and and so i i love the idea of tavirin i don't think we will ever truly know what they are but we are given enough information for everyone to make their own interpretation and 
I I look forward to hearing everybody's at JordanCon, at WatCon, as Patreons and comments, wherever you want to go ahead and say them, please let us know, because I will listen to your opinion till the cows come home, even if I don't agree with it, because that's what makes life interesting, and that's what makes this book series interesting. <laughs> yeah, Hard for sure. Agree. Andrew? Um. <clears throat> I don't. I, I love these kind of episodes where we get to have these uh, really nice and theory land esque discussions on on things from from the books. Nice um, yeah, because there's there's so much to it where it it is a theory. A lot of this in end is a theory, and this is a lot of the reason why like this podcast was started. Mm-hmm. You talk about overarching themes that will both go into like very kind of definitive answers or more definitive answers and things that are going to be completely open-ended uh, like Tavirin because we just don't have the information to answer it. I love the metaphysical discussions. I love the discussion on how does channeling actually work? What does it actually mean to be able to channel? What does Tavirin actually mean? What does being a Tavirin actually mean for the course of your life? Is there predestination is there freedom of path, but no freedom of destination? Is it all your own doing? Um, and obviously, like, I, I'm in the camp that, yeah, you have freedom of path, but no freedom of destination. And that the Dark One acts as uh, as an outlier interceder in, in that path you go through. Um, I can't even say that I really thought of the idea that the Dark One's the whole reason that Moraine even shows up and then Shadow Logoth and all this other to begin with, I now absolutely love the idea uh, and not just because I came up with it, because I think yeah. it, it adds like good. a, yeah, it adds like a it's 4D a chess one. motive for why there's so much, so many problems. I, I um, dig it. I like it a lot. Yeah, I, I like it. And that's what makes a lot of the things so fun. You know, I could see why somebody would found something like Theoryland to talk about things like this very early on. Leaning on um, it. And, and I hope to... I hope to one day very soon, uh, you know, maybe within the next seven days, uh, to find out more uh, about that kind of stuff. So, well, you know, we'll see. But uh, it's just a fun discussion to have. And it's it's incredibly fun when you can come away with this with essentially three similar but very nuanced or or very subtly different viewpoints that we all have. Oh, yeah. um, Which is, you know, a, a nice... Uh, or an interesting slap in the face to the people like, oh, it's just three guys agreeing on everything all the time. Um, go fuck yourself. But uh, Have you ever even listen to our podcast? No, no. no. Anybody yeah. who's ever said that has never listened to us. Yeah, but, but it, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I hardcore enjoy it, and it's it, it's always a joy when it happens. Mm-hmm. So, agree. But um, with that being said, go check out Wacon dot com uh to look at your tickets for whatcom where you can have more conversations like that uh if you're coming to jordan con hopefully uh you are we look forward to seeing you there we'll all be there um for these kind of discussions as well as everything else going on with jordan con in between the panels the art show everything is fantastic definitely be there uh and also definitely come to whatcon if you're able uh, there is a virtual option for WatCon if you cannot attend in person. So please do keep that in mind. If you're physically coming, you're like, hey, I want to do more than just come. Yeah. You always you can volunteer more than just come. Yeah. Um, if you want to last a little longer, maybe 
There's some volunteer opportunities, and those signups are available. Just go to WatCon.com. We do and have then hover the over the WatCon volunteers. 2022 option. WatCon.com. Okay, uh, but before we go, W H O T C O N dot C O N. My final thoughts on Taviran is that you know we make not a gonna lot lie, of I jokes. thought you had already went. I'm it's sorry. okay. It's okay, buddy. <laughs> I still love you, Andrew. Um, it is we we make all the jokes about Taviran armor, right? Mm-hmm. We make all the jokes. Yeah, there's no way it could have survived that. It's going to take a miracle to get us out of this. Look, a miracle. Taviran armor, right? We make a lot of jokes about that. But really, there's brilliance behind this concept because, and as I said before, it amplifies the debate of fate and destiny and agency. And as, and as Daniel said, we don't get enough information. And Robert Jordan right now, Mr. Rigney, sir, is, he's winking at us and giggling at us because he's, he's what? That's at us? exactly I'm sorry? Winking. winking, winking, W-I-N-K, giggling. Winking. I heard winking and I'm yep. like, I heard that. Uh, I mean, he, <laughs> I mean, by anyway, means, do what you he's, do. He's, yeah. he's giggling right now because that's exactly what he was going for. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful aspect of the story <laughs> hey more shoddy fuck you if you want to know what more shoddy just said join us on our patreon <laughs> and listen to us live <laughs> dick anyway no i i think it's a really beautiful uh uh story telling mechanism that really gives us a a handle to hold on when it comes to the discussion of Fate and destiny versus agency. And this is the dick jokes never end. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to us. Thank you for joining us for this week's dose of madness. And we hope that you leave here just a little bit more insane than you were at the beginning of this episode. From all of us here at the Black Tower, I have been your Tsurovan Mahal Josh. I have been your Bajan Mahal, Andrew. And I have been your Amin Khan Mahal, Daniel. Again, thank you very much for joining us. For all of you here live, we love you so much. For all of you here not live uh, and listening to this recorded, we love you just as much. Please join us again next week for another rousing episode of the Black Tower podcast. And from all of us here at the Black Tower We hope that you're having an amazing morning or whatever time of day it is that you are listening and enjoying yourselves. And in case we don't see you again, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. What he done did say it. Trouble just fitting.